0: Well, good afternoon. We are indeed here to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because Ted and Deaf Daphne were worshippers of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, they chose that song to be one that we would hear this afternoon. So, grace, mercy, peace to you in Jesus' name. Uh, I'm Andrew Ryland. I'm the pastor at Beacon Church where Ted and Daphne were founding members. And we're very grateful to our dear friends at St. Peter's Church here to allow us to use their building for our service. And then you'll be, uh, it's, it's much larger than our home, which is round the corner, but you're all invited afterwards round the corner to the beacon where there's uh, ample food for all of you. So please do come along. Now, you'll be aware that Ted and Daphne asked that there should not be flowers but that you would make donations if you wish to uh, make a donation to Open Doors or to Tear Fund and there are offering plates out at the back so as you leave you can give to those charities which Ted and Daphne supported in their life. Charities that work respectively to empower the poorest people or to help persecuted Christians. So we're here to celebrate the lives of a dear couple who died within eight days of one another. There's something rather romantic about that, don't you think? And um, very special. So they lived, I don't know how many years, I can't remember, 63 years were they married, something, 68 years of marriage. That deserves respect. (laughs) And um, for them it was true, however, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right? That, was, that was their open confession. If you knew them, really knew what made them tick. That is true. To live is Christ and to die is gain. So I'm just going to read the scripture that's been placed on the inside of the order of service. And then we're going to stand and sing the, the first hymn. All these hymns and songs were chosen by Ted and Daphne. They each separately had made a plan and some of the songs were the same on both their plans. So we, there was a double reason for including them. But reading from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3 in the Message version, Jesus said, Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my Father's house. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get a room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. Thank God for his word. And today we are assured that Ted and Daphne are in a place better by far. They will not come back to be with us, but we may go to be with them in God's everlasting kingdom. Hallelujah. Amen.
1: Okay, a reading from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there.
0: Let me read from 1 Peter. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And Ted and Daphne are receiving that goal even more fully than any of us are here today. Thank God. So I'd like to invite up several people now who are going to bring tributes. That's Graham, Moselle, Jill Crosby, that's the son and daughter, John Collins, Pam Work, Magnus Work, and John Putnam. Would you all like to make your way to the front? And I think you know what order you're going in, but Graham, you are first. So but please do come come and stand up here.) <coughs>
2: Firstly, may I say, what an honour it is to see so many here. People that have been touched by mum and dad's lives uh, and it's an incredible tribute to them. Uh, I'd like to introduce myself because a lot of people would recognise me. I'm Graham, Ted's son. I don't look anything like him, thank goodness. <laughs> So Edward Arthur Mazzell, affectionately known as Ted, was born on the 15th of June 1923. To Ernest and Minnie, who lived together with younger sister Rosemary in Chiswick, West London. Aged 11, moved to Kingsbury, he attended the London Choir School in Denmark Hill. Hello, that's better, okay. So he used to travel an awful long way to go to school every day. And he also sang regularly at All Souls Church, Langham Place in London's West End. At 15, Ted was taken along to Row Green Hall youth group on a Tuesday evening. And here he found that God knew him better than even his parents, and yet loved him despite his failings. He accepted God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and began a life of service for his Lord. At 18, he was baptised and two years later joined the RAF, where he trained as a flight mechanic, serving two out of those four years in India. If, anybody, if any of you knew Dad well, you would know that if there was one thing that he was not good at, and that was mechanics, (laughs) when it came to the car, the garage was his best friend. (laughs) And uh, God's got an amazing sense of humour, I'm sure. But writing in Dad's service log at his D-Mob, the group captain at RAF Lindholm wrote, this airman has given every satisfaction during his service career. He has shown initiative and ability in applying himself to his work and is a conscientious and obedient worker. I have no hesitation in recommending him for any type of employment. Ted started work with the Gas Board and renewed his friendship with Daphne Viles. They married in January 1948 and I and Sister Gillian came along in fairly quick succession. Soon after, they set up home in West London, worshipping God at Berrymead Hall, Acton, where, with the help of Brian Adams, Dad started a boy covenanter group for 12 to 18-year-old boys. I could go on about all the other things that Dad did throughout his life, but I want to highlight two. Firstly, in 1977, he was awarded a silver medal by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, one of only seven awarded in the North Thames region. His boss wrote, Ted was nominated because of the excellence of his work, particularly for his efforts in the public relations department. A number of his ideas were taken up in recent years, including some highly successful exhibitions covering communities and disabled people. He has completed 30 years' most loyal and conscientious service. Rather a nice tribute. But Jill and I were totally unaware of this award, as Dad was not boastful, only finding out as we sorted through lots of paper upon his death. Secondly, Dad was happiest serving others for his Heavenly Father as Covenanter Leader, Young People's Group Leader, and Church Elder in Acton, Kingsbury, Thorpe Village, and Chertsey. He also volunteered as a rep for five years with Tearfund. His legacy lives on in the lives of people that he has had the privilege to witness to and introduce to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Some are now elders and leaders, key people up and down the country. Some are humbly working behind the scenes, praying lots and giving generously, and others are standing by to welcome him upon his arrival in heaven. His example to me was that there is no greater joy or fulfilment to be experienced than serving our Father God. Thank you, Ted Mazzell. Dad, your legacy will last forever. May you enjoy your new home in heaven without pain or the restraints of old age and hearing the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant.
3: Our mum. The day after mum passed away, I started thinking about what an amazing person Mum was and of all she had achieved in her long life. The list I made was extensive and I want to share some of those thoughts. It's so difficult to condense 90 years into a few short minutes. Daphne Iris Viles, born on the 18th of January 1926 to James Henry and Esther Viles at Stoke Newington, London. Her family moved to Kingsbury, northwest London, four years later, where her brother Jim was born in September 1930. Mum always spoke fondly of her childhood, enjoying fun times with friends and neighbours, dressing up and putting on shows together with them in her early years. Later in her teens, she enjoyed many happy times with Kingsbury Young People's Group, known as Kips having progressed from Sunday school at Row Green Hall, which was just up the road from where she lived and where she had, at the age of 10, become a Christian. Dad was also a member of KIPPS, which is where their relationship began. Mum started her working life in July 1941 at Kemp's Biscuits in Cricklewood. She learnt shorthand and typing at night school and later became a secretary. Some years later... I had the joy of work experience with her at GEC in North Wembley, which was good training for me. In 1952, we moved to Bedford Park, Chiswick, where we spent eight happy years. Mum had a real desire to learn right from an early age. She worked hard at whatever she did and always gave of her best. She enjoyed reading, playing the piano, using her imagination and having fun with friends. For many years, both at Berrymead Hall Acton and at Row Green Hall Kingsbury, she was a Girl Covenanter leader, teaching teenagers about the love of God and sharing the importance of her own faith. She later took on the role of chairperson of the Girl Covenanter national movement for a few good years, which involved a lot of work and attending meetings in London. She ran many summer camps and from comments received, many young lives were blessed by her talks. Mum worked very hard while we were growing up. She went out to work part-time as money was tight, but she was a marvellous manager of the purse strings. I can remember she and Dad sitting at the dining table on payday and allocating money into different piles. They even found enough to give us a bit of pocket money. Joking apart, they have always been extremely generous in their giving, not just of their time and energy, but also with their money. They have supported missionaries and many charities over the years, and shown real real prayerful interest in them. In 1963, John came to join our family. He would grown up in Dr. Bernardo's home, Barkingside, and had visited us frequently in the school holidays. We had many happy family times with Mum and Dad over the years, especially at Christmas when we would have great fun and laughter playing games. Mum was always very competitive. We also enjoyed many special celebrations together, one of which was their diamond wedding anniversary in January 2013. Mum was always very well organised and methodical and would write endless notes about what needed to be done and by whom. One thing she didn't take kindly to was modern technology. For her 80th birthday we decided to give her a mobile phone so that she could be contactable wherever she went. She rarely took it out with her and struggled to know how it worked. She had a few lessons on texting but I never received one from her. I occasionally rang her but never got an answer. She had great pleasure from time spent with her nephews and her niece as they sometimes came to stay for a few days when they were young. Then later in 1975, the first of her grandchildren arrived, followed by five more, all boys. They were so enjoyed by mum and dad who frequently had them to stay and had great fun taking them out and about, playing games with them and watching them interact with each other. There was always a lot of fun and laughter. Then came the great-grandchildren, Finley, Hudson, Harris, Samuel and Emma, all very much loved by them both. Comments from various people emphasised mum and dad's hospitality and how they opened their home to many people, some of whom they didn't know, inviting them in as family, always being available to talk or pray with them. Mum was always a good listener and you could be sure that she would treat what you said in confidence. Prayer was always an essential part of her life, and I doubt there is anyone here today that she hasn't prayed for or with. Mum had immeasurable patience, especially when dealing with Dad. It was something she constantly asked God to give her, and he did. I was amazed at her devotion to caring for him in such a loving way. She tried so hard to keep his mind active and would have frequent games of scrabble, Cub, or triominoes each evening. Many times in her last days, she would quote the phrase, just at the right time. She was a strong believer that God was in control and that his timing was perfect. We'd like to thank all who've shown such love and kindness to mum and dad, particularly in recent times, when they have found life tough with various health issues. We have really valued your help and support. God bless you all.
4: I'd better introduce myself. I'm the John that Jill mentioned. And if some of you may be confused, I haven't always been known as John Collins, so you may know me under another name. (laughs) While I was in the Bernardos, Ted and Daphne used to come and visit, and I would go and stay with them as part of their family. They always treated me as a son. When it was time to leave the homes, I went to live with uh, with them and Graham and Jill in their house in Kingsbury. I would learn to like football, I learnt about one of their Christmas traditions, Tippet, which we played every Christmas. The main thing during this period as we attended Roe Green Hall and seeing them in action was that being a Christian involved service and living a life being Christ to all. When Ted and Daphne moved to Thorpe and then to Chertsey, we, Olive and I, used to go and visit and we realised we both needed to increase our ability in Scrabble, Rummy Cub, and try Dominoes. But what I would most understand of both of them was their faithfulness in service, in prayer, in service and prayer, and my continued acceptance in their lives as a son. Then Daphne heard the well-done, good and faithful servants come and enter my rest and I'm sure that they are in the front of the great cloud of witnesses, willing us on to continue the race. Thank you.
5: What a loving, a long-living, long-serving, faithful and loving couple who we were privileged to know and love. I first heard about Daphne and her work with the Covenanters many, many years before our paths crossed. Ted came to preach at Marsh Lane, where we worshipped, and was a joy to listen to how he loved Jesus. Twenty-three years ago, we moved to Runnymede Community Church, where Ted and Daphne worshipped after the Thorpe Fellowship joined with them. I fell and broke my leg, so was in St Peter's Hospital. The first visitors were Ted and Daphne, who came to pray, which opened up more conversations on the ward. And Cynthia is here today. We found out Ted's birthday was the same day as my mum's and Daphne's the same day as Magnus's dad's. So we began to celebrate birthdays together. A lot of fun with Ted's sense of humour and Daphne's ready laughter. Ted and Daphne were good role models for us. Hospitable, generous in their support for the Gideons as well. Loving, encouraging, listening and most importantly praying. Their downsizing while they were fit and able reveals their thoughtfulness wisdom and preparation for the future. Their legacy lives on, as they do too. We give thanks for their friendship and fellowship, Magnus with Ted and I with Daphne. They taught us about overcoming the difficulties of aging with hearts fixed on Jesus, trusting in God at all times, for all things, and every visit ended with prayers. I will miss them and look forward to rejoicing with them again as do their family. What a legacy.
6: I'm Magnus. Um, I thought a verse that seem to sum up Ted's attitude is found in Galatians 6 May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything what counts is a new creation Once they moved to Chertsey as Pam has just said we got to, to know and enjoyed visiting Ted and Daphne, Pam with, da, with Daphne and myself with Ted. I soon discovered that Ted had been trained as a chorister and loved singing. And the first time we met, he asked me if we'd like to sing together. And I said, yeah, all right, you know, okay. He never asked me again. <laughs> <coughs> uh, um, uh, I got a cold at Christmas time so I only visited him once or twice before he passed on but um, I I, I went to see him one one time in the evening and I'd prepared a a scripture to to read and he was asleep so I thought well I'll just read it anyway so I read it and after I finished he started up a chorus so I thought well Join in. So the pair of us sang this chorus and filled the little ward that he was in with praise to God. I I thought he'd been asleep. His knowledge of scripture was fantastic. Uh, As we read the scriptures together, I'd be reading, but he didn't need to look up a passage. He just recited the words along with me. He read and meditated every day and kept a diary of what God said to him. He especially enjoyed this in the hospital ward. He desired passionately to see folks saved and to encourage others. He'd go out of his way and spend time and money to encourage those who didn't believe and those new believers who needed mentoring and encouraging in the practice of daily Bible reading and meditation. He persevered in loving God, in loving daffers. Uh, he persevered in scripture reading, in giving. He uh, loved praying alone with Daphne and with the saints. He loved telling people about Jesus Christ. He was always so positive. Only once did I hear him referring to the past and then the very recent past. He sought God's forgiveness. God got it and never mentioned it again. He was always looking forward for the leading of the Holy Spirit, for God's will for him, for ways to serve. He felt completely forgiven. I guess many of us wish for that. And Daphne, a most humble person, she led covenanters, for goodness sake, for quite some time. She enjoyed serving in whatever capacity. She was part of the committee that organised the Women's World Day of Prayer. And no doubt her skills helped lead the Thorpe Christian Fellowship. A great couple... Humble enough to know they needed each other, Ted referred to Daphne and Daphne deferred to Ted. It was a privilege to have them in our lives. We in the fellowship miss them, but their memory lies on in the lives they touched and by God's grace changed.
7: Well, it's a joy to be here this afternoon, just to pay tribute to Ted and Daphne. We were planning to come and see Ted and Daphne. We're now living in Suffolk. We were planning to come up and see them just before Ted died. And I saw this uh, little advert in a magazine at Christmas. Some of you may be familiar with it. It's actually an advert for very expensive watches. And it says this. You never actually own a Patek Philippe. You merely look after it for the next generation. And there's a picture there of a grandfather, a father, and a son. And that reminded me of Ted. Because the word legacy has been mentioned so much this afternoon. And his legacy was a Christian man loved the Lord Jesus Christ, loved the gospel of Jesus, and wanted to preserve it for the next generation. You know, it's perfectly possible to be very famous and very insignificant. Ted wasn't especially famous, but he was very significant. I know the word prayer has been mentioned, I think, by everyone. Ted and I prayed together monthly for over 20 years and then when I moved to the East, used to speak to him at least once a month on the phone, and I can't tell you how many things I've shared with Ted Mazzell in confidence and known that he's been praying for me, and I'm so grateful for that. In 1980, the film Chariots of Fire was made. I mention that because if you're under 40 today, you don't know the film. Uh, It was a great film. It featured the life of Eric Liddell but it also featured a runner called Harold Abrahams. Harold Abrahams wanted to win the 100 meters in the 1924 Paris Olympics. But Abrahams was losing every race so he did something controversial. He asked for a coach and a man called Sam Mussabini saw him and was very reluctant to coach him initially. But he saw him one, run one day and Musabimi said this, Mr. Abrahams, I think I can give you two yards. Ted Mazell gave me two yards. Through his prayer, through his encouragement, through just when I needed it, there'd be a phone call from Ted say, how are things going, John? And I know I speak for Rose as well. We're so grateful to both Ted and to Daphne the loving atmosphere in their home, the grace of God in their lives. Ted Mazzell, what a man. Ted and Daphne, what a couple. Jesus Christ, what a savior. Bless you.
0: Psalm 15, it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill? And then a series of answers are given, and one of the answers is those who honor those who fear the Lord, and that's what we've done. We're now going to have a, a, one of the hymns that they chose, Jesus, lover of my soul, the, a very old hymn, we're now going to have performed, uh, played rather to us, an opportunity for reflection on what we've just heard.
8: Last
2: to read to you now from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 20 to 22. Nan chose the verses and they both wanted to share them with you this afternoon. And they are as follows. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who had fallen asleep For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ, so in Christ all will be made alive.
0: Thank you very much, Nick. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I've got, I have got—I borrowed a torch from someone I knew would have a really powerful one. And it's hardly going to, really, the sun is so much brighter than anything. This doesn't really have any power at all, does it? But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I wonder what you think of Jesus' words, whether they're just sweet, rather poetic thoughts that might comfort you in a moment of trouble. I want to tell you, Ted and Daphne took these words as absolute truth, as something you could completely rest your life on. They bet the farm on words like this. And uh, I've had the opportunity to give my own tribute to Ted and Daphne when I was preaching on the first Sunday of New Year. That was the first of January, and that's up online. But... um, uh, you know there were many other tributes I'm sure others could come and say things as well and in fact yesterday I received an email message from Alistair Fernley who was part of a founder member of the church as well the Beacon Church and he wrote this I owe Ted and Daphne so much my becoming a Christian is down so much to their encouragement during my youth in the Gospel Hall in Thorpe their Bible studies were so valuable and meant so much I thank God for them and only sorry I cannot be present tomorrow, that's with us here today. Well, Alistair's now a, an Anglican vicar up in Yorkshire, I think it is, so he's one of the people who has been referred to earlier. And I've only known Ted for 25 years or Daphne, just slightly a shorter time. And, uh, and one of the things that I remember particularly that I it was involved with with Ted, he was an elder of the church when I arrived, so I shared that in that team with him at that time but later on we did something called seek a group it was a bible study just like alistair had attended in very often in their home we gathered a group of senior citizens over many years once a month and we used to open up the bible and look at it and there was such joy because so much fruit, so many senior citizens came to faith in christ through that time i i wrote down names i could look up and i won't read them to you but there was just a whole list whether it was in their younger years with children and young people or through adult ministry or with senior citizens, they told people about Jesus and led people to faith in Christ. One of the passages we did in those Bible studies called Seeker Group was Psalm 139 that was read to us near the beginning. We've spoken much about Ted and Daphne today, but they I think they'd be a tad embarrassed about that. They would really want the focus to be on Jesus, and I'm sure you all understand that and recognize that. Now, I wonder how you enjoyed that Psalm 139 when it was read out, because there are words, uh, those words can be heard in very two, two very different ways. You could either find them very reassuring, or you might find them very frightening, because in the nature of light... When you really want some light, you're really glad to have it. But at other times, we'd rather keep out of the limelight and we want to hide away. So, uh, if we read the psalm again, and let me just let you think about this. Could, would you find this reassuring? or potentially a little frightening. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. It's a bit frightening, this, isn't it? As well as reassuring, depending how you hear it. Verse 5, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. A little bit frightening, but also reassuring. And so maybe slightly concerned about it, he says, where can I go from your spirit? I wonder if I could ever hide from being known so profoundly as God knows me. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there. Your hand will guide me. You're you're trying to speak to me. You're trying to guide me even there. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Right? Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And then we get this section... Uh, in the middle about how God has formed us and shaped us even in our mother's womb, finishing with, when I awake, I'm still with you, maybe a hint at the resurrection. But then, we didn't read it earlier, but you get this crashing change of gear in verse 19. And how are we going to explain this crashing change of gear? It says, if only you, God, would slay the wicked, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty, and goes on for a few verses like that. And I want us to think about that, because the Bible tells us both that God is love and that God is light. And so Ted and Daphne knew that God loves us more passionately than we can ever fully grasp, and that God hates evil and injustice more fiercely than we would really tolerate. Ted and Daphne knew that we human beings are more flawed and sinful than we ever dare admit. It's come out in the songs And yet at the same time we're more loved and accepted than we ever could dare hope. And all of that in Christ. Because in Christ we can be completely known and still completely loved. That is the message of the gospel. To be completely known and completely loved. So this explains this crunching gear change. Because I think as the psalmist has thought about how God so fully knows everything. And is so engaged in our world. He kind of says, well wait a minute, God, if, if, if this is what you're like, why haven't you sorted out all the wickedness and injustice in the world? Why haven't you done something about it? And so he starts to pray, "Why, why don't you come and slay the wicked, as it were? Even human beings who are... I have no interest in God. I'm not happy about injustice and evil. And these psalmists knew that there was a just God on the throne of the universe. And they're wondering, come on, God, do something. The psalmist, however, knew that, like tabloid newspapers today or the social media or Twitter, that actually there's a danger when you, when you take this kind of search life of God's life and start pointing it in other people's lives and finding their faults. There's a danger you could be a hypocrite. You're just interested in other people's thoughts, but not your own. But what the psalmist does as we get to the last section of the psalm, he says this, search me, God. He has the courage to turn the spotlight round and to shine it upon his own life. And that is indeed what Ted and Daphne did many years ago and then kept doing. They brought this light around, said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And they knew in Christ that there was certain mercy that everyone who turned to him would never be rejected as Jesus promised. So let us take that prayer to ourselves today. Because if you have esteemed their life, I believe you knew that they had faith in Jesus And it would be their longing, if up till this point you resisted their appeals to you, that you would turn to Christ. It would be their heartfelt desire, there beside, at the right hand of God now, that at this this day you would turn to Christ. That you would say, okay, I yield, I give up rebelling, and I turn to Christ. So let me read this prayer, these words from verse 23 and 24. You might want to read it. I invite you all to read it with me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Sorry, I read that the wrong way around. (laughs) Father, we want to thank you that because of what Christ did on the cross... You have demonstrated that you are light and you are love. You've upheld your justice. We know that you're not happy about evil and suffering and sorrow in this world and you want to come and put it right, but that you love us too much just to blot us out. You've found a way to rescue us, to refurbish us, to make us new. And so, Father, we want to thank you for this gospel, which... It was a gospel which Ted and Daphne loved for their own sake and want offered to others. We pray today we may ourselves, we renew our faith in Jesus and we refresh our knowledge that we are forgiven because of him if we ask it in the name of Jesus. So we come to you ourselves today, Father, and say receive us, whatever you might count against us. Quite rightly, we pray that you will have punished it on the cross when you killed Jesus on the cross. That we may enjoy the freedom of forgiveness and new life. And we'll share with you in the new creation where there will be no unrighteousness. There won't be any suffering anymore. There'll be no killing. There'll be no fraud and theft and dishonesty and betrayal. No bitterness and resentment anymore. For there will be light and laughter and joy and peace and righteousness forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a, another of their chosen songs. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. So I invite you to stand and make this your prayer another scripture as we draw to a close from the Apostle Paul. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy
8: Spirit be with us all, now and always. Amen.